Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Well, Chadwick Brown, you were mentioning earlier, we were talking about Roquan Smith and his feeling of disrespect in his contract negotiation, and you brought up Kyler Murray's study clause and how the Arizona Cardinals had to put in, in, in writing uh, in a clause in his contract that he would study four extra hours per week. And a lot of people thought that was just insane. Like, you're only going to study four hours per week. And then, of course, everyone pointed to Peyton. And when Peyton Manning came in here and his level of dedication to the craft and watching film was just something they had never seen before and created a new standard. But I don't think that Peyton Manning should be the standard. He was, to me, an anomaly. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a unicorn. He was an albino unicorn with three (laughs) horns. You know what I mean? Right. Like holding other quarterbacks or players to, to the Peyton Manning standard of preparation is not fair and also not realistic. On the day he was born, Chad... Peyton Manning came out of the womb, and you know what he, the first thing he did was? I'll tell you. Omaha, Omaha. No, he didn't ask for milk. Okay. Right? He didn't ask for a blanket. Okay. Uh, he didn't ask for someone to cut the umbilical cord. You know what he did? He asked to check tape of the birth to try to figure out why it took a whole hour to get him out. <laughs> <laughs> and when they good. showed him that tape. That was good. He started coaching up the doctors and the nurses and Archie, and ultimately the harshest <laughs> criticism was directed at the one who brought him into this world, whom he loved the most but couldn't. He couldn't let her believe that she had done an adequate job pushing or breathing. <laughs> we could always do better. Omaha, Omaha. Some athletes don't thrive in those conditions. Right. In, in the meeting room. Like, mm-hmm. And so maybe Kyler Murray, is, and it's going to be interesting to see if Kyler Murray plays better or plays worse when you force him to study. Because some dudes, and I'm sure you've had this experience, when you fill their heads up with too much stuff, they go out here and they play slow. Yep. So... At what point do you try to assess your athlete's ability to digest that or the way he plays best? Some guys don't watch film. Some do. Some watch too much film, and it makes them slower on the field. And so I wonder to what extent you believe that guys are different when it comes to studying and whether or not that helps them on the field. Oh, guys are certainly different, and there is lots of ways to be successful on the football field. Uh, I think quarterback may have the uh, strongest perceived set of prerequisites around it um, more so than any other position Um, and so therefore Kyler Murray is asked to be Peyton Manning when his style of play is nowhere similar to Peyton Manning's Uh, so that kind of uh, demand and not looking at the individual player I I think uh, could definitely hamstring some guys uh, and put them in a box that maybe they're not with. I had some teammates who literally could sit in the back of a meeting room, <clears throat> have a magazine or a folded-up newspaper in their playbook, and they could absorb everything the coach was saying. They had a photographic memory. They didn't need to take notes. They didn't need to look at tape. They didn't need to do the walkthrough. They had it down just as they casually paying attention. And I was like, that's amazing. That's awesome. Good for you. I had to take notes. I had to do the walkthrough. I had to practice at full speed. I had to bust it at least once. And then I would go, oh, I got it now. That was my learning style. So everybody's got a different learning style. And you can slow your players down to your point. You can slow them down mentally by not understanding their learning style and asking them to be 
a round peg and go into a square hole. So for Kyler Murray, you know, should he study tape? Of course he should. But is the best part of his game as a quarterback his level of athleticism? It clearly is. So if you begin to try to take a, a player and add to his skill set, but it takes away from someplace else, then you have a co- you as a coach, if you're coming out with a net negative because this is important to you and not necessarily within a skill set, then you've got to evaluate that and realize, how do I make this player successful? What can I do as a coach and as a staff to make you as successful as possible? That's the questions you have to ask, not how do I make this guy conform to my rules. Did you ever come uh, encounter an instance where you studied film and you internalize something that you thought you learned on film and and you expected it to be that way and then you went into a play thinking it was going to be that way and they did something else and of that, course and, and and your reliance on the film ended up screwing you over of course and that was in in new england obviously that's a very film-based culture with coach belichick and those guys there it's not about making the athletic play it's about making the right play and every single situation there's a right play to make <clears throat> according to bill so you watch tape and you try to figure out what those right plays are but i was coming from pittsburgh and seattle where we operated under a completely different mindset. I led with my athleticism. I led with how hard I was willing to play. Uh, I didn't lead with, oh, I'm going to play slow and diagnose and figure all these things out. So those first couple games were a big-time struggle for me because I was trying to be Teddy Bruschi, and I'm Chad Brown. It worked for Teddy. It didn't work for me. And so uh, that must have been a difficult transition late in your career to have to try to learn a new way to do it. Year 13, trying to be a different like, player. Hey, guys, I, I'm, I'm here to study film, too, man. I'll be an edger. Yeah. yeah I'll come in earlier. Sure. Uh, so I did all those things, and it was it was a hard, difficult transition for me to make. Uh, trying to teach an old dog new tricks. Not only was I playing a position I hadn't played in basically eight years, but trying to do a whole different style of play. I, this was the first time I ever had a coach tell me, hey, man, slow down. Coach Belichick would tell me to slow down. I'm like I've never heard that from any of my coaches anywhere. You want me to slow down? My thing is how fast and how hard I can go. Bill was telling you to slow down? Slow down. Wow. At practice? Yes. And we're watching, we're, we're evaluating game tape. Is that because he wants it to be because of him and not because of you guys? Like it's, <laughs> a, it's about his scheme? Oh, Charlie Adams. Denver Bronco, great. Charlie, pick up the headset here. Come on. Come on, Charlie. Joined by Charlie Adams here, former Bronco, great for sure. Sorry, uh, we interrupted our conversation to say hi to you, Charlie. What are you doing, man? I'm out here with some friends, Ryan Kingsbury and his son, Daxton. Wow, you're bringing some uh, some folks out to watch practice, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to see you guys. I was listening to you on the way down here. I like the uh, stadium argument. Oh, yeah, that, that got <laughs> that a little Nate, heated. Nate lost. Oh, so, so you I, agree? I don't agree. I just know that you lost the argument because I know what you do when you lose arguments. And say, well, hey, why are you yelling? Why no, are you getting so upset? You should have seen Richie, man. <laughs> he was about to explode. No, but what is your opinion about that? Because you are uh, you know, a Denver guy. You've chosen to live here after moving here and, uh, and, and playing here like a lot of athletes do. Do you have any nostalgia about that stadium? Would you prefer they built a new one? You know, I, I agree with you in the fact that I don't think they need a new stadium right now, but that stadium, they keep it they keep it together pretty good. But I just like the stadium being downtown Yeah. Uh, for some of the same reasons that you did. Uh, everybody hates the airport out there. I yeah. can't imagine that they would like the stadium out there. <laughs> right. But, uh, 
you know, they got the light rail and everything now. Maybe maybe it could work out. You know, there's a lot of development that could happen out there around the stadium that would help the city. A little revenue-wise, help pay for some of these contracts they got going on. Who knows? Yeah, because uh, cause Mr. Walton doesn't have enough money to pay no, for the contracts. No. He's going to need a little revenue. No, I that's gotta... why they charge you 10 cents a bag at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Do they? No. That's no. weak. For hey, a, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. For a little context, so those who aren't familiar with Charlie Adams, Charlie Adams, Denver Bronco receiver. Uh, you were the guy who beat out Jerry Rice. How did it feel beating out the GOAT for that last receiver <laughs> roster spot? Well, uh, as I say occasionally, I say if I can't beat out a 40-year-old guy, no matter who he is, I probably shouldn't be on the team. But you He was like 43 at that point. Yeah, he was 40-something. Yeah. He was 40 and change. But, you know, that was a fun experience. And every time uh, around this time of year, I, I get that question every once in a while. But that was a great experience for me and, uh, you know, a big learning process for me. And having Jerry around, I think, helped everybody out. You know, he wasn't the most, uh, you know, he didn't teach everybody all the things like a Rod Smith would or someone like that, but he was definitely would let you know if you messed up and you could just watching him work and watching him practice you could you get a lot of knowledge from him so it was a great experience charlie uh quick question before we let you go yeah, um, yeah. so this training camp has been for us for guys like us who played you know a while back pretty light mm-hmm. they haven't had two a days they only really pra- like sometimes they only practice one day and then they take a kind of a walk through the next day Coach Hackett believes that bad things happen on the third day. So he'll only do two days of practice, and then the third day they kind of do a walkthrough. And so they're not conditioning, and they're really not hitting. They are in full pass today for only the fourth time all of camp. They break camp at the end of this week. They practice against the Cowboys on Thursday, but that will be only four full padded practices with their team. Do you have a problem with them kind of backing off with the physical stuff? Or do you think you can get ready for a season uh, without going through the the dog days of camp? Um, you know, I think, it's, I think in some aspects it's – position specific you know like i think a wide receiver quarterbacks uh dbs can get ready for a season like that but i don't think offensive and defensive linemen i think they need that not only for the the technique aspect of it but for the mental aspect of it too to to be hitting a guy know how it feels and get their hands on somebody but you know i just but think as a receiver didn't you like like don't you have to run full speed routes yeah they well i feel like they would be running full speed routes if they're you know in, in helmets and hats or whatever they're whatever they choose to be in but i just think as far as the physicality i think a receiver is any moment that a receiver doesn't have to hit someone or get hit by someone is a is a good day for a receiver yeah for sure yeah <laughs> All right, Charlie Adams, thanks for joining thanks, us. Guys. Thanks for popping on with us. Yeah, thanks for yes. popping on. Good we'll to talk see to you in a little bit, buddy. All right, uh, we're up on it. So uh, James Merrillat, he'll be joining us next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, Ready to Ride. Here's Chad and Nate. We are joined by James Merrillat, editor at DenverFan.com. We've got James and Richie right next to each other. Wow. The text line was saying you guys are must be twins because Richie had an off-the-wall outlandish opinion earlier. Oh, so okay. they, they were making the connection from there. Gotcha. What was his outlandish, off-the-wall, probably right opinion, if it sounded like something I would say? <laughs> he, was, he, he was saying that there needs to be a new stadium out there by the airport. He's in favor of that. He's correct. New ownership, <laughs> when they come in, need to do... Richie is fist-pumping First right now level of business. James agreeing with him. Get that plan going out there by the airport. Yeah, you go build the Denver version of Jerry's World or SoFi or what they have done in Glendale. Any of those kind of things where you're going to have big events come in town it's used more than 10 to 12 times a year i think would be fantastic i think that's the right place to build it you put a whole development around it it's got retail it's got 
you know, uh, commercial. It's got residential. It's got the whole thing. That's what you do, a land development deal. I'm, I'm with Richie on this one. So uh, what events would come here that don't come here now? The, maybe the Super, the Bowl, Super one, Bowl, maybe one every 10 years or so. Yeah, you'd be in the rotation. And, and then think, what else? Uh, you'd get a Final Four again, which, you know, when, when I was a kid, there was a Final Four here in Denver because it used to be played in basketball arenas, and now that it's in domes, you're, you're out of that mix. All you can get is basically first and second round games. So uh, I, I think that would be the, the big two that would start. But who knows? Maybe you get a – what's the, the, the big – you get a WrestleMania that wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> what about the experience on Broncos game day? Does that matter? Like, because, and we were talking about this, um, for example, the price of a ticket at Allegiant Stadium, the price of a ticket at SoFi. Sure. Yeah, basically doubled since those new stadiums have opened. Are you concerned that would price out real Broncos fans? No, I think the price of the tickets are going to go where they're going to go. I don't think the, a new stadium... You don't think the stadium has anything to do with the price of the ticket? No. Oh, I, interesting. I, I, I don't. I don't. I think it's... So why is I Allegiant think, the, the, so expensive? Because that, that's part of the attraction versus going to watch the Raiders. The Broncos are already sold out. They don't have to have a cool stadium to get people to come to the game. They're already going to get 75,000 people there. So uh, I don't think that would change it all that much. But yeah, is the game day experience part of it? Sure, but the game day experience down at Empower Field... I mean, it's a few parking lots around the place. That's it. There's, you know, you're talking about how it's downtown. Is it really? It is. Like, go downtown and try to walk to the game. You'll it's, be exhausted really, no, by the time you get to the I game. I did it last year. Oh, I, my God. It's not that bad. It I, really is not. I parked at Ball Arena for the Garth Brooks concert. It's like, good Lord, this added like two hours to my night. Like, oh, that's not convenient. Oh. It's not downtown. You got to walk under the Colfax Bridge. Oh, and, no. You know. God forbid you're doing that on a night game. I mean, or you're doing it on a cold it's weather the, game. It's the Platte River's beautiful. Oh, so you'd rather so you'd rather walk to the <laughs> so you'd rather walk to a parking lot out by the stadium and then get in your car and and, and sit in traffic for an hour and a half. No, trying go to get grab out of there. a drink at Fuddruckers. I heard you talking about it earlier. <laughs> All right. Don't you like driving past the stadium and recognizing? That's where the Broncos play. They are part of the identity of this city. That stadium is part of the architecture of this city. I drive past that stadium on 25. Yeah, it's awesome. First of all, it is the worst traffic spot on I-25. It could be Saturday at 8 a.m. and there's a traffic jam there. So I hate it for that reason. The other part is every time I every time I drive by that place. How I long just, is the list of things you hate? <laughs> you got hate in your heart. Let it out. Every time I drive by that place, I just think, God, what a wasted, missed opportunity. They, I mean, they should have done it right when they built it 20 years ago and put a dome on it. and We wouldn't be having this conversation. It's I say this all the time. It's what New Comiskey Park is to baseball stadiums. That was the last baseball stadium built before Camden Yards. And everything after Camden Yards has been kind of these retro, cool places that are downtown. And then there's New Comiskey. It's like, man, we missed the boat. That's what Empower Field is. It was built before SoFi and Jerry's World and the Bird's Nest and all the all the cool places. You're just going to have to bring out the, the wrecking ball in and China? implode it. For the Olympics? No, no, the, the one down in uh, in Atlanta. That's okay. what they call it, right? <laughs> so, Jane, Ben Stadium or whatever it is. If you do build a dome on a stadium here in Denver, when do you use it? Um, I mean, when do you decide what weather is too severe for you? I, a little bit of snow going to deter you? And does that take away your home field advantage against the team like the Chargers who aren't used to snow? You're going to yeah. put a dome and, and protect them that's, from the elements? That's a good question. And so, for me, I would leave it open most of the time. Now, I, I do think you could be strategic with it. If you've got Peyton Manning 
and it's eight degrees at kickoff in a playoff game against Baltimore, I'm closing that roof. Right? I'd like to have that option. But if I'm a if I'm a team that hey you know what we're going to ground and pound with Javante Williams and you got Patrick Mahomes so based on your game plan based on your game plan based on what kind of team you are right so if you're more of a you know running team and you got the you know the 1999 Rams coming in and it's going to be cold and crappy you leave that sucker open when you bring in your two choose when you bring in your two tight end packages you close the dome and then when you put in the three receiver you bring you open up the dome I think you want to be strategic and I think a coach tell me a guy like Bill. Belichick wouldn't like to be able to dictate, okay, are we going to be inside or outside today? I heard you talking about the mud practices and yeah. how that guy, you know, thinks about every contingency. I think having that option, and I'd leave it open most of the time. It's Denver. I like being out in the elements. I like sitting out there. I mean, I've I've been out there for, for those cold weather games, but to have that option certainly would be nice. I think you're wrong, but I also think you presented your arguments way better than Richie did. <laughs> Thank Richie you. went full emotional. You know what I mean? You stay cool and calm and collected throughout this. He's, he's been. He, this is not his first rodeo. Right, right. He's had to defend his claims <laughs> once or twice or on the radio. A time or two. All right, let's talk about these Broncos, what we're seeing in front of us. Right now, the team is doing stretches. Uh, they're in full pads for the fourth time this whole training camp. Basically, training camp's almost over. They practice against the Cowboys, presumably, in, four, in full pads. But that'll be five total full pad practices. What have you seen from the Broncos? What are your concerns? What do you like to see in these last couple days? Well, a week ago when I was on with you guys, I mentioned the fact that, you know, up to that point, Russell Wilson had kind of been underwhelming. And I think since then, he's been much better. The offense has been much better. We've seen some big plays. I like the fact that he forces the ball. Forces maybe isn't the right word, but pushes the ball down the field. Not just the deep ball, but the middle of the field, you know, hitting the tight ends. Uh, 20 yards downfield. It's not just check down Charlie, which we've seen so much. So that I like. I don't have an issue with the way they're doing practice. I know you guys don't like it, and I know Orlando and Tyler and the former players don't. I just I find the whole real football thing kind of comical because none of it's real football, right? Like it, it, unless we go back 30 years ago when they're doing training camp, it, it, you know, seven on seven's not real football. They don't tackle. Preseason games aren't even real real football anymore. Well, yeah, all yeah. of it is a simulation to try and get you prepared for when you actually play real football on September 12th. And everybody's kind of guessing to figure out, well, what's the best way to do that based on the CBA and the rules, based on, hey, we're smarter now and let's limit the number of times guys are banging heads against each other. So I think it all is a little bit of an experiment, and I think that this is Nathaniel Hackett's way that five years from now you're going to find more teams doing it this way than not. I, I think uh, I, I like the fact that he's thinking outside the box and doing things a little different. I don't have an issue with that. The NFL has always been a very cyclical league. Uh, teams came out with uh, a bunch of small, quick receivers. Defenses responded with smaller, quick defensive backs. And the teams got, oh, then we should go with big receivers. And defenses got bigger defensive backs. If this is going to be the new style of football, isn't it a ripe opportunity for somebody to say, oh, we're going to be the most physical team in the league. Everyone's going soft. We're just going to crush you clowns who don't prepare yourself for the physical nature with which we play. Sure. And, I, you know, I, I don't know that there's 32 teams that are all going to do this. There's always going to be the Tennessee Titans of the world who are going to say, hey, we've got Derrick Henry, and we're going to win old school football. And, look, it worked in the regular season last year. They were the one seed. But then they get in the playoffs, and it's, oh, at the end of the day, we've got Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, and he's going to throw an ill-timed interception, and Cincinnati's going to beat us at the gun. So, I do think there's an opportunity for that. There's always the, hey, when everybody's zigging, go ahead and zag. And, you know, based on your personnel, maybe that's a way you can you can get an advantage. But I think, by and large, this regen idea, 
and these jog-throughs, I do think it's going to become the norm. If the Broncos have success, I think there will certainly be copycats. And, and you know, we've had we've seen some injuries, and Tim Patrick's the big one, but we have not seen the soft tissue injuries that have plagued this team in recent camps. And I mention it all the time. I mean, the number of, the number of wide receivers that I saw standing on the sidelines in bucket hats because they had pulled hamstrings the last three to five years, it was it seemed like half of them were out every practice. You don't see that anymore. So it's you know that part of it has been successful. We'll see, though, guys, when they line up on September 12th, if they're ready to go and ready for the physicality of it. I do think that's the big question. I think that's a, a fair question. I think we'll see Thursday and we'll see I Saturday. We'll, I think we'll start to see. Thursday, I think we'll see more than Saturday. Well, so, so I, I think I think when the Cowboys roll in, we're going we're gonna to find out, hey, is this team dialed up as much as they need to be? So based on um, what you just said about preseason, I imagine you, you're not an advocate of playing any of the starters in the preseason. No, but, I'm not. But I've also heard you talk about the imperative of getting off to a hot start Yep. with this schedule. Do you see that uh, contradicting itself a little bit? you got to be ready to go week one, week two, week three, week four. You have to. You said they have to be eight and three in their first 11 games. Correct. Or they have no shot at the playoffs, right? Well, not no shot, but boy, you look at those last six games where they could play really good football and go three and three. So I think to have a, a, a shot, yeah, you got to be eight and three. I, 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 I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I don't think you have to, you know, treat the preseason games like they're the be-all, end-all in order to be ready to go week one. I think you can have your team sharp and ready without So the your first starter. time they really do play real football, will we be week one? You're okay with that? Yeah. Because okay. I, I just don't think – I mean, preseason is closer to, to real win football. The first game? I think that's a tough one. I think that's the worst possible time you could have to go to Seattle mm-hmm. is week one. Yeah. That's going to be their Super Bowl. They're not mad at Pete Carroll yet. They're not mad at John Schneider. They're still mad at Russell Wilson. I mean, they're booing him when he's doing a the Sue Bird video at the, at the Storm game the other night. They're still mad at him. They'll be over that when they get to, you know, week 11 and they're 3-8. and eight. So I, I, I think that's a, that's a tough one, but – Look, would they be better prepared if they were treating the preseason games like they used to? Maybe, but I think the risk-reward just doesn't make sense. They used to play six preseason games. Now they play three, and hardly anybody ever plays. It's a vestige of the past. It's time to turn the page, and you can't. You just can't afford to lose starters. You, you can't, and I think, they're, uh, I think they're, they're taking the wise course of action. There's, there's a give and take here. I think losing out on having them out there is, uh, is fine because you can't afford the risk. Good stuff, James. Appreciate it as always, my All right, friend. Fellas, thanks a lot. Thank you, Jimmy. All right, we come back. Uh, sights and sounds from training camp. Full pads today. Expect to hear some pop in the pads. That's next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022. Ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Special teams uh, phase of practice going on right now. They were doing a punt period. Started backed up. Now, that's always a tricky, precarious spot to punt the football when you're backed up back there and you don't have the full uh, 12 to 15 yards like for your snapper to have between himself and your punter. Yep. Uh, it's a little special blocking that you do in that phase of the game that you don't wouldn't normally do when you're punting a little bit more in the regular field of play. So getting that kind of stuff done. This special teams unit has been... Not good the last couple of years. They've been a, some of the reasons why the Broncos have lost a few games uh, as the seasons have gone along. Uh, they need to make a major jump, I think, in order for this team to contend. 
Yep, and you can tell by the way they're structuring practice. I know that we've been critical about some elements of practice, but the way they've been practicing special teams, to me, is with a sense of urgency and as full speed as you can pretty much go out here in practice. Yesterday they were doing a kickoff, kickoff return drill. Coach Stooks was, Stooks was out there yelling, not happy with what he was seeing. He wants these guys going to as close to full speed as possible, and he's been given the green light by Coach Hackett to emphasize it, and, and I really like that because – Look, there are people who believe special teams don't matter, and some of them uh, work on this station. Yeah, uh, he believes he can coach special teams in the NFL. That it do- that it it doesn't take a genius to do that. You just come on, guys, just do the thing, oh. right? Just do the thing. But there are intricacies, there are technical things you have to coach, and, and more so that it's a motivation, right? Yep. It's a it's a sense of purpose for the players who were the man in college. And came to the NFL and realized there's another ticket for me to stick around, and that is I have to play special teams, then I have to do it well. But they are in the shadows sometimes. You know, they do come in earlier than the rest of the team and meet later, and, you know, the rest of the team doesn't always sit in those meetings, so you do have a feeling of being separate. But it's critical to the success or failure of a football team. You saw the Green Bay Packers lost um, against the Niners in the playoffs last year because of some poor special teams play, right? Yep. Um, and what did they do? They went out and hired Rich Basaccia to be their special teams coordinator and gave him the, the richest contract in the NFL for a special teams coordinator to fix that problem. They obviously know that it cost them games last year. It cost the Broncos games as well. That field position is vital. You're a defensive player. So when you come on the field after a kickoff and your kickoff team lights a dude up and drops him on the 13-yard line, you guys come in juiced. Absolutely. It raises your emotions. Absolutely. Yes. And vice versa, if they give up a 44-yard return and they get the ball on the 48 and you have to go there at, in the, into the game at midfield, how are you feeling? Uh, I know statistically. <laughs> like a, a heavy yeah. sigh, right? All right, here we go. Statistically, each 10 yards closer to the end zone they are, their scoring percentage goes up. So field position matters. Field position is huge. Special teams are the biggest exchanges of field position of any play during the course of the game. So if you can win this special teams battle, you present a decided mathematical advantage to your defense and to your offense simply by the field position uh, benefits or advantages you gain by playing well on special teams. Yep, so uh, valuable part of the team. They're doing it in the middle of practice to, to bring the attention on it, and a lot of these guys who are trying to fight for a roster spot are doing so out there, and so you'll see in the preseason games these guys getting a chance to run down full speed, trying to make a play. Uh, the punt that we see often is the most complex special teams because there's two phases involved. It's the protection and then the coverage. That's why they you see them do it so often because it's just the most difficult to execute and the most moving parts that you got to think about. Uh, the protection can get a little dicey when they do cross it, you know, when they twist and, and stuff like that. So the communication is key. And um, they're out here doing that. And then, you know, right in front of us, we got Pat Sertan and uh, – who else is that? Is that Kwan Williams um, and uh, Justin Simmons, who are going through some ball drills? Apart from the special teams, those guys are not going to be on any special teams. But there's a, not a lot of dudes who just won't be asked to do any special teams. There's, you know, a handful of guys in each position group. Um, of course, the quarterbacks won't. But how cool would that be if Russell was like, "I'm going to run down on kickoff. <laughs> That's how much I care." Uh, I've always liked it when uh, everybody on the team has a special teams role. Not every unit, but even the starting quarterback uh, has gotten some reps in as the holder 
for uh, extra points and field goals. Yep. Uh, that way, if the starting quarterback's out there, uh, the defense has got to respect that. They can't rush as hard. They've got to be ready for a, a trick play, a fake kick, something like that. There's just so many opportunities there. Yeah, so many opportunities. Um, I'm being distracted by Richie, um, um, who's across from me, frantically commenting to everybody on the on the text line. Yes, Richie is and enjoying he, his yogurt, also has a, yeah, a yogurt very, blueberries. Very large bowl of yogurt blueberries, which he has had every morning here. Um, and he describes it as a perfect breakfast. Protein, uh, fruit, on the go. You know, you don't have to worry too much. No, but uh, they just finished up that period, and um, they're on to the next. But... But uh, looking for a physical practice out here today and looking for some guys to make plays. Corlin Sutton made a really, really nice play down the sideline yesterday to end practice. And it got people, and Ronald Darby kind of came up hobbled a little bit, yep. whether it was his, his ribs or his hand or his wrist or whatever it was. It was one of those plays where they both went up for the ball and they came down hard. And, you know, I have some thoughts about that because Corlin Sutton is a guy who can high point the ball. He can go up and grab it. Um, but they do that so infrequently in practice that sometimes when it happens, you lose a little body control and you land on your, you land on your, basically on your back like he did. Like he went, he went up really, really high and came down, you know, perpendicular to the ground, just smacked the ground. Both of those guys did. Um, he kind of had to do that because the ball was out there, but you don't want to see your guys hit the ground like that. You know, you want them to win the balls in the air to have more control like that. But you also got to put yourself in the mind of Cortland Sutton, who tore his ACL on a similar play a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? Yep. Like when you go up on, when you go up for that ball and you come down, there's you never know when that where that foot's going to land and if it's going to take a weird twist or land awkwardly like Tim Patrick does. And so you end up just falling on your shoulders or falling on your back, and that introduces a new kind of danger there. So, hey, man. To me, the more balls you can throw these guys, the better. The more comfortable they get going in high point and that under control, coming down and landing on their feet and, and not having to take that punishment of hitting the ground like that. We talked about this very early on when we first started the show about uh, being a kid and running and, di- and throwing the ball in there and catching it and diving on your bed yeah. or diving on your couch. Right. And when you first did it the first couple times, you know, maybe you dove too far and you hit your head on the opposite arm <laughs> right. of the couch. Or you dove too far in your bed and you, you went off the bed or you hit the wall behind the bed. But as you did that over and over and over again in your bedroom or in the living room, you got a sense of what you could do. Then you started spinning when you when you were diving. on. You start doing all that kind of stuff. So the reps aspect of this, this, while these are professional football players and the best athletes in the world at these individual pursuits, a guy like... Cortland Sutton, when you're going up for those jump balls, you do that enough in the course of practice, you begin to develop a higher sense of body control. Where's my foot at? How do I land? How do I go up for this jump ball, stay on my feet, and get some yaks, some yards after the catch? So when we talk about some of this uh, maybe pushback we have with this practice style, it's not, again, because I'm peanut butter and jelly. I'm not jealous at all. It's got to do with I know your mind and your body, the connection between those gets so much better when you have reps at something over and over and over again. Yeah, Texter um, um, reminding me, he came down parallel to the ground, not perpendicular. Perpendicular would mean he would land on his feet. Right. Right? He didn't. He landed on his body parallel to the ground, smacked the ground. Look, the ball's in the air. You're going to go try to get it, right? But if you don't do it that often, then you're a little bit out of control. 
I'm not saying he was out of control on that play because he made a hell of a catch. But you don't want to see your receivers hit the ground like that. I know he bounced up and, and, and you know, finished for, for a touchdown and his teammates mobbed him, but he was hurting. That was the kind of play where that hurts. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, if, if, like, you know, average Joe out there was walking to his car in the morning and decided to jump as high as he could and land parallel and just land on the ground, he might not make it to work that day. My wife would say, I don't know how you do that. How do you fall and not hurt yourself? I go, because I practice this. I know how to fall. I've been doing this since I was seven years old. When's the last time you fell? Uh, ooh, I try not to fall anymore. No, clearly. But uh, when's the last time you, you I, fell I fell, I fell a couple days ago. Oh, really? What yeah. happened, man? I was uh, in the garage, and I was trying to hop over some uh, recycling boxes. Uh, <laughs> didn't get one of my feet high enough. And I was like, do I, you know, when you're sensing you're going to fall, it's like, do I try to maintain my balance and have some uncertainty where I'm going to end up? Or I just go to the ground and rely on my old training. I just went to the ground. Yeah. I got back up and that was fine because I've been falling my whole life. Uh, we got to take a break here. We come back more sights and sound from training camp and the text line. Some folks are actually in support of Richie. Well, Richie is is negotiating with them. Oh, right that's now. where he's it's like, coming. He's trying. If you have to continue arguing your point on the text ne- line, you lost. Negotiating. Yeah. I'm responding well, you're, you're, to you're, them. Foot Rushers is a really good like, milkshake. <laughs> get out of here, millennial. Oh, it's like, okay. More of the Richie text line conversation and sights and sounds from camp. That's next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Like that guy with the radio voice just said, our analysis of Training Camp 2022, ready to ride, is presented by Elite Sportsbook. Uh, The text line responding to lots of things. Uh, My uh, scenario of when we were kids throwing that ball and jumping onto your bed Playing football in my room when I was six years old, I cracked my temple on my bedpost, needed three stitches. But then after that, with more reps, I'm sure you got it down, right, Texter? Then you avoided that bedpost. That's my point. Yeah. You get better with reps. Yeah. Better with reps. Um, These guys are out here doing their individual period right now, going through those reps. Um, The whole real football stuff is not real football. This isn't real football. These are skills you need to learn and work on out on the football field that translate to real games. Uh, the DBs are doing ball drills right now. They're attacking the ball. Uh, they're doing their backpedaling and then attacking a ball in flight. Uh, we love DBs who can go get the rock. Pastor Tan is one of those guys. Justin Simmons is one of those guys. We need, we need ball hawks in the secondary to cause turnovers. That's been a deficiency with these Broncos, causing turnovers. Big plays on defense. Haven't seen a lot of those. Um, one thing worth mentioning, Greg Dulcich yesterday re-aggravated an injury. I don't know if it was the same injury or um, – or a new one, but I don't see him out there now. So I, he was back for a couple days, kind of practicing gingerly, um, and then now he's not out there at all. So this is our second pick in the draft, the third-round pick. Obviously, we dealt our first pick for Russell Wilson. The second pick went to uh, Nick Benito, and then Greg Dulcich, who came in with a lot of hope that he was going to actually – is that him out there? No, I can't, I can't tell. But um, a lot of hope that he was going to be this pass-receiving threat, tight end guy, a dynamic dude who could take the top off a of defense and hit the seams. He hasn't been out there. And even if he is out there right now, we haven't really seen him play. We don't know who Greg Dulcich is with a helmet and shoulder pads on. So this is Alberto's game. This is – Eric Sobert's game. This is Eric Tomlinson and, yes, Andrew Beck. Andrew Beck is a, a guy we don't talk about a lot, but I think 
he could surprise some people with his versatility in this offense, a guy who could play tight end and fullback. you got to understand, you know, you look at the 49ers, and this offensive line case coach came from San Francisco. What do the 49ers do a lot that a lot of not, uh, not a lot of other teams do? Chad, they use a fullback. Yep. They use a fullback in their running game and it's incredibly effective because... Kyle Juszczyk is awesome. Yes, yes. and because he's also a, a, a threat in the passing game. Andrew Beck can be that kind of guy. Uh, maybe not a traditional fullback role, but a guy who can line up back there and who can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. I think we're going to be happy with his production. And I know D-Mac made a, made a huge deal about the fact that Eric Tomlinson and caught a pass yesterday and was open doing it. He thought that was an indictment uh, against the defense and that Jonas Griffith is not ready for the for the big show because Eric Tomlinson got open and caught, caught a football. Um, it's the system, guys. If you run the play as it's called, you're going to get open. You stretch defenses. You put them in a bind. Um, one guy can't cover two guys. Guys are going to be open. And, and you don't have to be a 4-5 guy in the 40 to get open in this scheme. It's not about how fast you are. It's about running the play the right way and being an effective run blocker. And then by the time you you run a play-action pass, a keeper, or a pass play, well, you're going to get open. So I think this tight end group is going to be okay without Greg Dulcich. I know people are worried about it, uh, worried about Eric Saubert and his ability to, to kind of perform, but I'm not worried about it. What I've seen out of those guys, I think they're going to be more than adequate to execute this system. Yeah, I talked about uh, Dulcich in a distraction segment about a week ago. And when you start to miss time as a rookie, it's far different than Kareem Jackson taking a vet day off. Right. Kareem Jackson's got the skins on the wall. He knows what NFL football is about. But as a rookie, when you're trying to get yourself up to speed with what's going on out there and you're constantly on and off the field, you don't develop a sense of rhythm to yourself. You fall behind in the learning while you were over there on that far field getting some extra work in with the training staff. Those other guys were over here working on football, getting the playbook down, getting the timing down. All those pieces to the puzzle are very difficult just to go out there and just suddenly recapture when you return to the field. So hopefully Greg Dulcich can get that hamstring healthy and get back out there because at some point you start to get so far behind, your rookie year almost becomes a lost year for you. Yep, and they have to prepare for that to be the case with Greg Dulcich. Uh, before we get out of here, I do want to clarify a comment because there was a texter that came in that said, this is hilarious. All I've heard from Nate is to go get the ball, and then when Cortland Sutton does, it's not good enough. I mean, I guess that is uh, a point one could make, but the point I'm making about Cortland Sutton is he always needs why, why are you looking at me like that, Richie? Did you write that? Jeez. The point is, um, Corliss Sutton has to always go get the ball. He has to make that a priority anytime a ball comes at him. Not if it's a deep ball or it's a short ball or it's a middle cross. All the time, Corliss Sutton has to be aggressive with the football because that's who he is. He's a physically dominant receiver. I don't like to see my receiver, my number one receiver, hit the ground the way Corliss Sutton did yesterday. Fantastic catch, like I mentioned. But we don't want to see him hit the ground like that. And to me, the more balls you catch, the more you make that a priority, the more control you'll have on the deep ball like that. That was my point. Cortland Sutton is the guy we're going to rely on in the passing game to be our dynamic playmaker. I believe he is our number one receiver. So we need him to play like it. We need him to remember that that's who he is. And Debo dudes, go up over them. Snatch that ball, but come down and land on your feet. Sometimes things happen in the air. But to me, I cringed when I saw him land because he landed so hard. We can't afford to lose him. We've already lost Tim Patrick. Defense continues to work on their tackling drills without tackling. Uh, I, I 
still, I'm a little concerned. Uh, we haven't seen any tackling. I doubt they'll be tackling uh, Thursday with the Cowboys. So the first real-to-the-ground tackling the Broncos will do will be Saturday uh, against the Cowboys in that preseason game. So uh, it's, I, I would feel uncomfortable without having any practice tackling done as a player. Uh, I know it's a new age in football. Uh, I'll accept it. I just, hopefully they tackle well on Saturday when it counts. Yeah, you, you'd feel uncomfortable, or are you just eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? <laughs> uh, I'm drinking some nut milk at the same time. Ah, delicious. All right, that's it for Nate Nye, Stokely, and Zach. Those guys are next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.